Hold on to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jimmy Clark. Welcome to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. There's not much news today, right? No. Well, I guess there's been plenty of news, but uh, let's start on a show note, a personal note. If you were listening to the show last night, I think it was a... Listening out there, Joey and I are friends, and we can have very spirited, debateful style... Uh, discussions. We're not mad at each other. We're no. not angry at one another. We enjoy it. We talk for what an, an hour, another and a half. hour, hour and a half after half after the show. That's what we do. What do we it's, talk about? We don't have to get into everything, but we got into like our favorite Old Testament biblical stories. It is Holy Week, so I mean, we, oh, yeah, we talked I mean, about a lot of stuff. It, we got really deep, and and that's why that's why I keep saying. Rick Peters, if you're listening, he needs three hours. I, I'm not going to fight you there. Last night's show was a three-hour show. It was. No it, doubt. It's probably unwise to try to solve a, <laughs> a, probably one of the most complicated, uh, heated disagreements between, say, Protestant and Catholic understandings of the fall of man within five minutes. You know, it's people haven't agreed for <laughs> centuries. Let's solve this issue in five minutes. Sure. That's right. I mean, wars were fought. I mean, <laughs> there were... You know, countries taken down and completely destroyed over it, and we're trying to do it in one hour, and that just, I mean, or one hour minus the breaks. Right, so it's more like, you know, 48 minutes, something yeah. like that. So, but but anyhow, if if anybody's worried, I, I, I get this question from time to time, they're like, oh, are y'all really mad at each other? I'm like, yeah, I am mad at Joey. <laughs> <laughs> but we're still friends. Right. I mean, it doesn't mean that I hate him and I'm never going to be on or he hates me and never is going to invite me on again. Well, and we don't like, I, I don't know, I've learned that friendship should not be, uh, you shouldn't surround people with you and call them friends if all a friend means is it's like a flabby acceptance of your Ideas. You want right. friends that'll challenge you. Exactly. Right. And you know that you can have a space of disagreement and it can get heated. And then you realize, well, we'll calm down here for a second. And I will say, you know, I joke about it. I just sit on my butt and talk all day. In a way, I do. I'll never forget, uh, you know, the summers I did work and say that on construction sites and different places or worked at Parks and Rec 
though that's a whole other story. It wasn't usually hard at Parks and Rec here in Montgomery. I don't want to give away too much. Windshield time, baby. Windshield time. Uh, <laughs> but, I know that phrase. <laughs> but I remember a contractor, a, a sheetrock, a drywall contractor, saying to me, you know, you going to college? I'm like, yes, sir. And this is how I had to be 16, 17. He goes, you go to college. Because what I do is an honest day's living. And I've put my kids, my own kids through college. I, I have a nice house of my own. I've got good cars. I've had a good life and a good family. And this job has helped me do it. But son, my body is broken. Yeah. So go to college. It is. It's, it's hard on the body when you do when you do manual labor uh, as a living, and and that's what I do. It's you know I'm finding that out. Right. I'm 45 years old right now. Fixing to turn 46. Uh, if I live till September, if I make it that long, but it's it I mean you figure out it is very rewarding. There's nothing more rewarding, and, and that's you know that's the funny thing. More so than the paycheck, Joey, is that I am resolving problems for yes. people, and I am making them happy, and it just it brings me so much joy when I can repair something that is wrong at your house and say, now it works. And they look at me and it's like, oh my God. <laughs> Thank you so much. I mean, but that is more gratifying to me than the actual $1,700 it might be. Right. Might be what the bill is. Yeah, helping people. But that's my problem. It, it's the thank you, I'm so happy you did this, is more gratifying than the actual physical money. But you still got to have the money. I mean, I, I get that. Well, yeah. That, you, that, you need I mean, that, I too. I still have makes, four children I've got to feed. Well, and it makes our society work. It makes when people help others, it helps, you know, keep the accounting straight and uh, what you do provide. It, it, and it's interesting to me, a reason I brought this up, is though I will never forget how hard it is to work with your hands, to work hard, long days, especially in the heat of the summer here in Alabama, and I joke that all I do is sit in my butt and talk all day. If you look at the lists of jobs that are the most stressful, obviously doctors have pretty stressful jobs. Lawyers have pretty stressful jobs. Um, but broadcaster is usually always in the top five. And it is a, uh, there's something about when you, whether you're in front of a television camera or you're in front of a microphone, uh, it can get heated. And I really feel for the people who lose themselves in the sense that they're always in front of a microphone. Now, I'm in front of one seven hours a day. I'm not hosting seven hours a day, but I'm always in front of one. But I try to remind myself there's much more out there. My Joey isn't just the guy always on the microphone. My whole life shouldn't be devoted to what are you saying on air in public to entertain. I think you lose yourself pretty quickly. Um, So I try to ground myself in things beyond, especially politics of the moment. And what's going on. And back to our argument last night, let's just say this. We really do agree. The only reason I brought up the unconstrained or constrained idea of human nature or, you know, a utopic, utopian or tragic view of human nature is that we're both in the constrained camp. We both think human beings are flawed and fallen and prone to a lot of evil and or sin, for lack of a better word. Human beings miss the mark Correct. all the time. So we're really in the same camp. We were just quibbling over, again, what is a centuries-old argument and, 
and conversation. Wars are fought. Different denominations have been born out of this argument. So it's uh, it's an interesting thing that we got onto uh, last night. But I want to go back real quick because of today's news with the Mueller report dropping. Mm-hmm. I was just reading a piece from Glenn Greenwald, and he focuses on, and if you don't know Glenn Greenwald, I believe he's number one, not that it's that important, but it's who he is. He's a man of the left. He is the guy who helped break the Snowden revelations. He worked with Snowden after Snowden uh, essentially leaked a lot of the important things we now know about the intelligence community and the NSA, how they surveilled not just the world, but you know, scoop up a lot of uh, Americans information unwittingly says james clapper and that freaking liar but glenn greenwald he's also i mean he's a gay man he's he's not a guy who's on the right whatsoever and he's not a fan of trump but he's been saying from the beginning that this whole russian collusion conspiracy theory that the russians colluded with members of donald trump cam his campaign if not you know, that Putin and Trump are best buds and they're working together secretly. He's come out today and said, Mueller's report, now that we see most of it, it's not just that they didn't find any evidence. Like, not a single American conspired with the Russians or coordinated. Now, I think Americans are indirectly sort of playing into the Russians' hand by getting so uh, hellbent against one another. The Russians didn't spend hardly any money. It's a quote I keep going back to, old William Blake line in his poem, Huggeries of Innocence, a truth that's told with bad intent beats all the lies you can't invent. Sprinkle a little bit of truth in a selective way that Americans can't handle and watch them eat each other up. They don't have to, they did, the Russians didn't have to do much in that regard. But Greenwald lays out how definitive this Mueller report is on that single issue. It's not just members of Trump himself, members of the Trump campaign, or a single American, no evidence. They'd even find Carter Page guilty of anything. And the stuff that Manafort is now probably going to go to prison for has nothing to do with Russian collusion. Roger Stone's tied up in court. Not much to do with Russian collusion. It has nothing to do with Russian collusion. And yet, what are we seeing? We're seeing people who refuse to let their dog that won't let go of that steak bone. I mean, it's, if it's a bone and ribeye, I can understand why the dog doesn't want to let it go. But they will not let it go, so they've moved the goalpost to obstruction. And now, I'll be clear. I think, looking at this, and seeing a little bit behind the scenes here, Donald Trump is the man we think he is. He's not, let's say, the epitome or epitome of, uh, of morality. No. He doesn't claim to be. He's not some Either. smooth operator who's cool and collected all the time. No, he tweets weird stuff all the time. He uses rude and crude language. He used to in public all the time, now definitely in private. For instance. It, that makes him, and that I think that is one of the beauties of Donald Trump, that makes him one of us. He's like the dude... When you're at Mosley's store having a beer at the end of the day and yeah. just walks up and starts talking and you're like, yeah. He's like that sense. dude, but he, who's also a billionaire who's an incredible success. Exactly. 
And that's actually my theory, and it's one I posited after Trump was on these airwaves, is the reason Trump has so much, had so much success when I was understanding it then in 2016, 2015 even, and it still has support with Trump country, is because he talks like the average person would. He's not going to, I mean, in a way, I can be pretentious. I like to quote all sorts of crap. He isn't like that. So when you see these behind-the-scenes anecdotes from the Mueller report, I'm not surprised at all. And, for instance, well, it ties into Sweet Home Alabama here. Jeff Sessions. Right after Donald Trump fired James Comey. And Rod Rosenstein appointed the special counsel, Robert Mueller, to look into the Trump-Russian or the Russian interference in the election, the potential collusion or conspiracy or coordination with the Trump campaign, Jeff Sessions walks into the Oval and uh, essentially tells the president this fact. We've appointed a special counsel named Robert Mueller. Trump's response to this, according to the Mueller report, is this is the end of my presidency. I'm fudged. Bleeped. But he didn't say fudge. Yeah. Now, some people could read that and say, oh, he's guilty and he knows he's under the gun now. Or it could be, and I think this is pretty understandable, Trump understood that special counsels are a pain in the ass and often do spell the end of a presidency. And they suck all the air out of every single thing you're trying to do as the president. Yes. Any initiative that you have, is that's on the wayside because everything is concentrated on the special counsel. And so Trump, John Solomon, who's a brilliant reporter, he wrote a piece for The Hill today, and the title of it is An Innocent Man's Defense Can Look Like a Guilty Man's Obstruction. Especially if that innocent man is very new to Washington, D.C. politics, to all of the snares and intricacies, the bramble patch of laws that could create uh, an actual obstruction of justice charge. So the guy thinks he's innocent. He thinks it's nonsense. He thinks it's cooked up by his political opponents and by the very intelligence community and deep state he ran against. And there will be an investigation of the investigators in this regard. So, he's reacting. And I will put it this way. I'll put it bluntly. He reacted in some way. Some of the things he wanted to do were very stupid. I mean, he wanted to just get rid of Mueller immediately. He wanted to fire and shut things down immediately. And if he had done it, or if his aides had listened to him, he probably would have problems, legal problems, not just political ones. Is that not a mark of a great leader, though, that you listen to people that know more about a certain situation than you do? Right. And following their advice? It seems to me like that's what Donald Trump has done. In some cases, he's done that. In other cases, let's use an analogy. Say you have a really drunk friend. Let's use a couple of analogies. You have a really drunk friend. Mm-hmm. And they're like, hey, man, I'm going to get out of here. And they're going and jangling their keys, and they're going to go try to drive off. And you stop your drunk friend, and you manage to steal his keys from him. 
until he passes out in the bar, you take him home. Okay. Would you charge that drunk friend with drunk driving? Even though that was his intention to drunk drive? Mm, no. I mean, you, you can't. Right. I mean, he didn't, he didn't drive. Right. And his friend, st- he, he was the friend stopped him. For, yeah. Though you a- actually, you should get an attaboy for that. Is hey, good job, bud. Let's use an even more extreme one. Say you find out your wife's cheating on you with like a good friend, and you go, "I'm gonna kill those two. And like you're ready to go. You got a gun. You're ready to go. And your friend stops you. Are you gonna be accused of attempted murder? Especially if you said this in private. You didn't make any public threat. No, you're not going to be charged with anything. No. Especially after the fact when you cool down, you're like, well, I'm going to get divorced, but I'm not going to kill anybody. That was just the heat of the moment, the passion. This is what happened with Trump, at least according to the Mueller report. There were times where he was ready to cross that line that would be considered obstruction of justice. Because, according to Mueller, and this is definitive, there was no underlying crime of conspiracy or coordination with the Russians. Though the Trump campaign expected to probably benefit if the Russians leaked something. Yeah, we'll benefit. The Russians thought Trump would be better than Hillary. If I can put myself in the shoes of the Russians, that's probably correct. I think you can deal with Donald Trump. Literally, you can make a deal with him. Whereas Hillary Clinton would have continued, well, decades of American foreign policy that I think is heavy-handed. So. Yeah, I I, I can't disagree with that. So in sum, what's going to happen? Well, the Democrats, Jerry Nadler's campaign, or Jerry Nadler, it's a campaign, really. Jerry Nadler's committee will be looking into the 10 instances of near obstruction. And I don't think they'll come up with much. There are already Democrats, folks. I think it's Senator Bob Kerry saying, we got to get off this. I'm embarrassed for our party. And even Nadler himself, when asked by a reporter today, is this a roadmap to impeachment? Nadler <sighs> sighed. And he had to step back and said, well, we don't know yet. Right. That's a big fat no. Even Bernie Sanders... Well, I I am not a fan of President Trump. I think it is ill-advised for Democratic presidential candidates to only bash the president. We have to sell to the American people what we want to do for them or to them or whatever. So I think there are people coming to their senses. Yet, because of that backlash effect, when something has now become part of your identity, your cause, I've felt this before, and even when it is shown clearly to you that you are wrong... You dig your heels in. Because it's almost like somebody's about to punch you in the face. It's not literally like that, but you react psychologically that way. That's the way you see so many talking heads. You might be seeing people online who are rightfully seizing on things. Trump didn't always behave the best. He was angry. He wanted this to stop. He felt wrongfully accused, so he did things that don't look great. But it was not illegal what he did. Would you not react in the same fashion? Oh, yeah. I mean, if somebody was just attacking you, mm-hmm. and you knew for a fact, if if people were saying that, you know, Joey Clark robbed X uh, 
uh, X Mark. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, dr- he robbed a sex <laughs> that's, store. That's actually where my mind went. I was trying to come up with. He ro- know, he stole a lot of those weird masks that people put on. But if Joey Clark robbed Brand X filling station, yeah, and it was just all over the news and on, it, would you not? I mean, would there not be something inside you that want to? Oh yeah, backlash and say. I know for a dadgum fact, I was not even in the area, and I had n- nothing to do with the robbery at the Z-Mart on Ann Street. It was not me. Well, and- you think about this. You you just saw last night at the end of the show, especially right after we ended, you saw a glimpse of me somewhat angry, more mm-hmm. riled up. That was that was mild. Yeah. So if I'm, like, actually angry, and it's not over a centuries-long argument, a worthwhile thing to argue over, and it's being wrongfully accused, I don't think I'd have the temperament to deal with it. And see, I, I wouldn't either, because, I mean, I can deal with a lot of stuff. I deal with the public all day, every day. Yeah. In and, you, and out. You grow I thicker mean, skin. And I can handle that. I can handle every single thing but someone calling me a liar. Mm-hmm. Because if for some reason that is, I don't, I don't know if it was just built into me or if it was pushed into me by my parents or I, I, I don't lie. I embellish. Now, I'm tell you a little secret, Joey. Mm-hmm. A lot of these stories that I tell, because you know I'm long-winded and tell these great <laughs> sure. big long stories. I'm not arguing with that. A lot of times, I might add a little <laughs> something here or there to make it more palatable. literal truth to get in the way of a story. No, it makes it better. But, I mean, as far as actually lying to someone, I don't do it. And I was called a liar one time mm-hmm. by one guy. And I really... I almost kicked his ass. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, I, I really did. And 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 the people in the parts house the, like came and got around me and was like, Clay, calm down, calm down. I'm like, no. And I can't repeat the words that I said. I said, that mm-hmm. dude mm-hmm. <laughs> is calling me a liar. I said, I'm fixing to kick his ass. Right. I said, because... I'm a lot of things, but I'm not a liar. Right. And it just, I mean, it just flushed me, Joey. I mean, my my blood started boiling. I can't describe the feeling. And it's that's, the only time in my life that ever happened. And, and that's kind of what it seems like they've been saying to Donald Trump. And I can see him having that feeling is, hey, look here. Don't like me, don't like my policies, don't like anything about me. But don't tell me that I'm colluding with the Russians. I done told you I wasn't colluding with the Russians. Right. Right. And that is coming back to what I started with Glenn Greenwald here. It's definitive. Not as the, They didn't find an American who did something with the Russians, which is amazing. You'd think there'd be a few people willing to do that, especially for a little bit of money. It's unreal. Absolutely unreal. And yet, I think the narrative will continue. Attorney General Barr will be the, you know, in front of Nadler's committee in a week or two. He'll be in front of Lindsey Graham's committee. 
Robert Mueller will probably be asked to testify in front of both committees as well. The investigation of the investigators will be starting up. The uh, report from the uh, Inspector General Michael Horowitz will come out about the start of the so-called crossfire hurricane Russian counterintelligence investigation that led into this Mueller special counsel investigation. And all the while I'm sitting back saying, man, Mueller didn't really hand down any major indictments, not in the way, say, Trump's accusers wanted. But I think this whole saga, now over two years old, is a major indictment of what we've become politically as a people. We've become petty, partisan, I think obsessed with power. And not just because we're bad people. We all have a bunch of bad in us. Again, we both agree on the constrained view of human nature. We're flawed, limited, prone to sin. But it's more that people feel under siege every day. And the old theory of eye for an eye is coming back. And is, well, not coming back, it's, it's back, baby. And there are a lot of people out for their pound of flesh. And how do we get out of this situation? I'm not certain, but I think a good start is to remind people that before you worry about, you know, your daughter dating a Democrat if you're a Republican or whatever thing that you might not like, remember it's your daughter. Remember that she falls in love. Remember that that friend you had a heated argument with or that son or that father you had a heated argument with over politics. They're your son. They're your father. You're your friend and uh, friendship should always for lack of a better word trump any of our political disagreements yeah <clears throat> and and what i'm afraid of is all graphs if you've ever seen a graph of anything they always go up and come down up and down up and down you know it's that and it, you you mentioned it I'm afraid we've gone from an eye to an eye to the top of the graph is turn the other cheek, and I think we're coming back down the other side, back to eye for an eye. And that's, I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily frightening, but it's very concerning. Absolutely. It's very concerning. And, you know, the way that we treat people, you, you and I have a, a different relationship than most people do. Normally, people that disagree as much as you and I do, we would just hate each other and throw names at them and say, oh, Joey, he's a mm -hmm. liberal commie. And you would say, oh, he's an old-ass white man that, that, you know, racist, mm -hmm. you know, throw whatever. Right. And, and we don't do that. I think we're the minority out there right now. Right. Unfortunately. Well, and I'm, unfortunately, I, I feel like, though, I saw a comedian, guy I've had on the show, Lou Perez, says, while some people will say you can punch certain people for, say, you know, you know. It was a Nazi! It was a Nazi man! The other side is going to say, well, you can ground and pound people who falsely accuse others as being Nazis. No, leave the violence out of it remember our common humanity and that's a little bit of how i think we get out of this identity politics crap and we'll talk about that on the other side of the break but this morning this morning man my trainer alex one of the co-owners at express fitness 24 7 he kicked my ass in a good way though 
Um, he I'm, is he is kicking you in the best way. Your arms, dude. You need to take a new picture and put it on your profile. Yeah, and you I don't want to do one of these these vanity photos. Well. Maybe one day. I'm trying to get there. But Express Fitness 24-7 is the place to go, folks. If you want to do a month-to-month, con- you don't have to do a year-long contract. You can do month-to-month at a very reasonable rate. When you become a member, you have 24-7 access to the Express Fitness locations all around the River region. You're in Montgomery, Prattville, Millbrook, Wetumpka, Pine Level, Clanton even. Clanton! They have state-of-the-art equipment. I never want for equipment when I'm in there. There's always plenty to do. Plenty to go in. Did a thousand meter row on the row machine earlier today. I feel great. So check out their website, expressfitness24.com. That's expressfitness, the number 24.com. And tell the folks over at Express Fitness 24 7 that Joey sent you. You can get in there if I did. Joey Clark. So, folks, um, I was just informed that at the top of the show, when we're talking about great things, bearing the hatchet or the paddle here, Southernwood has brought his Southernwood Abides paddle that he was bequeathed upon his entry into the Joey Clark Radio Hour Hall of Fame. It is a big paddle. Right. I assure you, there's no trouble with my paddle. Uh, and, you know, when I'm in a bad mood, I put on some funky music like this, like uh, more Bounce to the Ounce by Zappin' Roger. Never seen a sexy thing like you. That's, I would use the term groovy. <laughs> that. That's funky. It is funky, too. But we're really talking about how, you know, even though sometimes things can get heated, we're, we're cool. We're friends. It's, uh, it's more important. You, you reach out and try to understand people for their common humanity, and we all believe in that constrained model of human nature. Well, not all of us, unfortunately. Uh, I think improvement's real. I think we can move forward, even though we are... Uh, sure. Progress is possible, but in, in stops and starts. Like, you might take two, three steps forward, but then two or one back. Like, there's, it's not always going to be this perfect linear. Everything's always getting better. That's not how life works. It's not how society works. not how history works. Um, And there is something to be said of when you get to a certain height that the dangers become even more real, that life can become even more fragile, which is, I mean, you look at an individual's life and somebody becomes a celebrity. Well, the higher you get, the farther the fall is to get back to to the bottom. Exactly. You know. But we ended uh, talking about common humanity, and, you know, I really worry about this idea of uh, identity politics that's out there. And now, obviously, this is usually associated with the left, um, where they do the identity politics, like... The grievance politics, the victim politics of you know race, sex. Yeah, I'm I'm black. I'm sexuality. A woman, I'm gay, or I'm a trans transvestite, right. or something like that, and that gives you transgender. For for, for some reason, that gives you more of a uh, an audience, and I I don't I don't get that part of it. Is why just because you're a transgender, mm-hmm. why should I listen to you more than I should listen to 
you know, Joey Clark sure. this 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 running and he's just, you know, a thirty or twenty nine year old dude running for Congress. Well or I mean, but here's my point. Identity politics isn't just reserved to the left. I mean no, it's, think it's about not. the most common one that's on the left and the right, partisan politics. How many times have you heard a Republican say, I just can't listen to that Democrat? I mean, how many freaking commercials have you seen of Republicans holding a Bible, walking in or out of a church building, and saying, I'm opposed to abortion? Right. Which I vehemently am. Right. I make no bones pro-life. about yes. it. Yes. But what in the living world has that got to do with... Are you going to vote for the gas tax or not? Right. And then I also think there is an ugly backlash to the left's identity politics, where you do see people saying they're doing identity policies in the wrong way, that if you're going to be a feminist, I'm going to be a men's rights guy. Obviously, men have issues in society that are unique to men. Women have issues unique to women. Uh, people, I think, in the, say the black community have issues unique to them. Sure. Um, people, I'll put, let's take the recent one. Uh, people are transgender. Th- there's one way to do identity politics that I think is effective, and it's when you appeal to people's common humanity. It's what ML. It's what Martin Luther King did. He didn't say it's only the plight of say African Americans in this country. Well, he didn't use the term African Americans for one. Yeah, he actually said the Negro. Negro. Yeah. I mean, if you read his stuff, that was the term at the time. I prefer the term black, if I'm going to use a term like that. But the point should be, and what MLK did, and what I think most successful movements that try to take folks that are different or have been marginalized or been oppressed in some ways, is they don't appeal to the in-group idea of only we understand our problems and we have to fight the enemy. So shut up anybody that's perceived as my enemy. Yeah, good point. It is about an appeal to a common humanity. that, And there are amazing signs in the protests in the 60s that were organized where the sign simply said, I am a man. And in the sense is that we are all made in the image and likeness of God, if you want to use another term. When you appeal to our, what we have in common despite our differences, despite our different abilities... That's how you actually reach people, and if you do it in an honest way. So, for instance, if somebody came to me and said, I've always, I was born a man, I am, you can check, but I have always felt like a woman, and they are saying that to me honestly, they're not trying to do anything, I'd talk to them about it. And if they wanted to do something, like to change that, whether it's hormone therapy... Or surgery, I may or may not say, well, I would have to know their situation. You support them and you talk to them about it. And you go through all the different things that can possibly happen. and But you still love that person because yes. they're your friend. Yes. Been through that, been there, done that. But what's happening now is sort of this idea of... Because I'm part of a certain group, pick whatever identity, whether it's black or in the backlash is more white or I'm man, I'm a woman, I'm transgender, I'm straight, I'm gay or whatever. They go to that common group and go, only we understand our problems and you have to think a certain way, you have to be a certain way, you have to support a certain politics. And it, and the way you talk to people that aren't like you, if they even are a little skeptical, is shut up, you don't understand. 
It's a for instance, I, and this is one a distinction I had to struggle with after a few fights. I was in college, and I tried to say I only see people as individuals. And they said, and the response from one of my classmates, we were kind of in a circle, was you're only saying that because you're a straight white guy. I'm like, how do you know I'm straight? That's not what I said. Well, good guess, I suppose, because it's right. But but I found that. But I found that baffling in a way. I said that. So you can't understand. Let me try again. Another bite at the apple. I try not to presume who people are in terms of their character unless I get to know them. And actually, what I if I do presume anything is that they're probably you know fatal and, and limited and uh, fatally flawed and limited like I am but generally people I'm going to show them respect as my baseline and if they show otherwise then I might respond accordingly but respect is the key who am I to presume who you are if I don't know you and I'm like can you understand that I said to my classmate even if I am a different identity than you is that not a common logic we can work towards. I don't quite remember. I don't think it was the response was that good because I felt attacked. It's back to this idea that sometimes you can feel attacked and you don't always use your words to the best of your ability and not as precisely as you would like. But it's that phrase, check your privilege. And I really started to think about sometimes that phrase is used in I think a really cynical political way. Check your privilege, straight, white, cisgender man. Which is just another way of saying, shut up. You, your opinion doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But if somebody came to me and said, Joey, do you think, say, a black woman who is 65, 66 years old, who grew up here in Montgomery, Alabama, has had different experiences and struggles you don't understand than you, a 30-year-old white guy in Montgomery, Alabama? Sure. I would say Yes. And I would, if you want to talk about it, let's talk about it. Because the point is trying to find the common ground. The point is trying to understand why the world is full of all these differences and all these fights throughout history. And yet, if we can sit down, and this is why freedom of speech is so important, this is why freedom and liberty in general is so important. If we have a due respect and actual tolerance, not tolerance that demands a certain point of view, but tolerance that respects different and diversity in ideas, not necessarily pigeonholing people because of their identity, and I think it goes a long way, and it's always what's been propelling us forward. It's a guy named Robert Putnam. He, I think he's a progressive, but he is, without a doubt, a brilliant social uh, scientist, political scientist. He's really got was known for, and what they taught me in college is his book and theories in a the book is called Bowling Alone, where he was tracking the lack of civic engagement and human capital we were bringing up in our societies. And one of the ways he tracked it, and it's why the book's called Bowling Alone, is how many bowling leagues are there now? Because that might seem simple and petty or whatever, but no, bowling leagues are a great way that people of all different backgrounds come together. They have a common goal. We're in a bowl. I'm on a team. We're going to beat the other teams. But it's not just bowling leagues. It's the church you belong to. It's maybe the softball team you belong to or your book club, whatever it is. And he said those are going away. Americans today 
are not as engaged, they're not joining as many groups in person as, uh, as they once did. And this is probably not a good trend. Well, Putnam, who is, again, a progressive, recently came out with a study on diversity. And the findings, he said himself, surprised him. Didn't really upset him, because he tries to be dispassionate as a scientist. But they surprised him. Because what do we hear? Diversity is our strength. He said, really, the only thing you see, and he, he makes clear, in the long run, he thinks diversity is our strength in the sense that, and it makes sense. If you get people from all different backgrounds and experiences, and in the long run, they, share, they find a common goal, it means just on a basic level, you can find more talent. It just means you're opening up the talent pool where people from all different backgrounds might have something you didn't have. And that's a good thing. It's why companies work so well together or sports teams work so good together. It's why when you go to, say, a WWE event, you see people of all different races, ages, sexes. I mean, you see all sorts who watch wrestling. But he says in the short term, when you do diversity for diversity's sake, the only thing that goes up are protest marches and people watching television. Man, that's pretty powerful. Because he says in the short term, people... When they start seeing people different from them, and it might be they look different or they have different ideas. They book the system. They lose trust. They lose trust not only with the people that are different than them. Let's use race. Say the neighborhood's becoming more diverse. Whites, blacks, Hispanics. Or we could use the more early 20th century stuff, you know, Jews, Italians, Irish, Polish, all these types. Poles. It's not just that the Polish don't trust the Irish or the blacks don't trust the whites. It's actually the whites start stop trusting whites as much. And blacks stop trusting blacks as much and so on and so forth. And it, it's almost this idea of kind of people hunker down. They, they go into the bunker. They think, well, I don't know how to deal with this changing world, so I'm going to just close myself off. And so the solution, again, is finding larger common goals, which I've suggested before in these airwaves. Maybe the goal of let's make the middle class comfortable and secure maybe isn't a lofty enough goal. It's a fine goal. You want most of the people in the country have good jobs, have security. Fair enough. But is that a lofty enough goal, material enrichment? Is that more wealth? Is that really the, a goal that can – it could unite us to a degree – but is it lofty enough? And what? But what do you mean by make them comfortable? Make the middle class comfortable? You talking about government? Yeah. Instituting programs that encourage. Or it could be. It could be your bedroom door, like nobody's coming in here. I'm in here all by myself. Joey, is there <laughs> is there a duck stomping around in your room? Like, <laughs> stop slapping the floor. But it, 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 it is funny, but it's, it, it's, it's sad what you've been saying here and uh, what, you're, what you're putting out. That's the problem, it's, but there is a solution. It, it, it's sad that we spend so much energy and effort fighting against one another mm-hmm. instead of working together. Because, um, I mean, there is something out there. I mean, the government... 
uh, it, whatever it is, I mean, there's something that's, that's pushing us down, whether it's, I mean, hell, form a union. And, and that sounds crazy coming from me. Form a labor union. Mm-hmm. If you're getting absolutely destroyed, if there's a, you know, if you work with 110 other people at a factory and you're not getting paid enough, get together and say, hey, we're not going to take this bleep anymore. Right. And do something about it. But people, if people would work together more than fight against one another, and they also, what you brought up is we use color or nationality as a differentiation point that, oh, well, I can't be on his side because he's Mexican. Right. I'm not Mexican. I'm from Puerto Rico. Same difference. You're brown. You're on that side. <laughs> you know, I'm white. I can't be with you. And if if we could just come together and just treat people as people, I mean, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. I mean... Well, and it's one thing to make America great again. I like the idea, though, of make America laugh again. I think comedians reveal, you know, when they amplify their differences in their perspective, it actually shows how much you have in common with people. I think we do need to make America think again. A lot of people do a lot of good thinking, but the conversations that can grow out of, I don't know, actually taking a step back and going, why are people so tribal now? Why are they so divided in their little groups and always treating the other group as the enemy? It's an issue, and the only way we can do that is actually talk and see something in common. Because right now, the one thing we have in common, and it's not a good thing. It's not a good good goal. And you can dress it up as we want to help the middle class or make America a place of diversity and tolerance and peace or whatever. But really, our common goal right now, politically speaking, is we all lust for power. And for the people like us to be the ones in power. And that will not end well. Yeah. Because that's, no. in a way, mutually exclusive. One side's going to feel under siege from the other one way or another. That's right. And we're being pushed into that area through politics and through the media and everything else. It's all man, woman, black, white, you know, or brown, or... These immutable transgender. qualities. Yeah. It's, that's what we're being pushed into. You have to be in this corner. You have to be in that corner. You have to be in that corner. And you have to be in the other corner. That's the four groups. And it's it's a crying damn shame is what it is. Well, Southernwood, I appreciate you coming back tonight. All right. Are we going to bury the paddle? Yeah, you can paddle we yourself. It's big enough. <laughs> Bend over, big boy. <laughs> I'll be back tomorrow, folks. Joey Clark.